I think with any exercise, any fitness, any movement, any whatever, there has to be love story around it. The reason that people continue to do rock climbing, Zumba, CrossFit, whatever, is because there's some sort of love story there where they just, they, it feeds them. It feeds their soul. It feeds them on a cellular level. And then there's something really powerful when you get that many people that are in love with this thing to congregate and be around each other because you get to see that you have people such as yourself that are coming in from a serious dance background or you have people that have been power lifters their whole life or you have someone who you know is, is is a triathlete and you realize that we all have this thing in common which is we have this love for movement and this particular modality it's just one but it allows people to experience movement and then whenever they find that that love and they can experience with other people it really does connect you on such a deep level and we found that connection to be probably one of the things that gives this program wings more than anything else Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring the medium of movement and looking into how it has the capacity to transform not only our physical bodies, but potentially every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. As a former dancer, personal trainer, and much more, I've been able to experience a wide breadth of transformation and revelation using the medium of movement. It is my passion to share its capacity and its depth in as many ways as possible, which is why I have created this podcast for you. Join me as I dive into deep conversations with a wide variety of individuals across many fields and backgrounds to gain insight into their own unique movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. The goal of this podcast is to empower you to find your unique relationship to movement, allowing it to be a journey of self-exploration, authentic curiosity, and connecting to yourself. I hope hearing these guests speak about their movement relationship and experiences will help empower you to begin to explore movement in your own way, in your own life. Hey guys, I am so excited to bring you this episode today with the famous Mike Fitch, creator of Animal Flow and the Bodyweight Athlete. Mike and I got to dig deep as we talked about his connection to movement and some of the big influencing components of movement that have been instrumental in not only his own process, but also in what he's developed with his movement modalities. We talk about the importance of community and how 
communities allow us to really cultivate a deeper sense and understanding of our own movement experiences while engaging with the unique experiences of other individuals and how that is such a powerful support system for growth and exploration. We also discussed the importance and of being bad or being a novice in a movement practice, how it really allows us the freedom to learn so much more than we realize. And finally, how movement has the capacity to make us more malleable, more pliable, not only in our bodies, but also in our lives. I loved having this conversation with Mike. It was so much fun chatting with him, and I really can't wait to share this episode with you guys. So tune in, relax, sit back, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome to this thing called movement. Today on the podcast, we are interviewing Mike Fitch, creator of Global Bodyweight Training, Animal Flow, and the Bodyweight Athlete. I have had the pleasure of working with Mike Fitch numerous times in the Animal Flow community. He is an incredible professional to know in the fitness industry and innovator in so many ways and has done a great job building community and cross-pollinating different types of training. So, Mike, if you don't mind just introducing yourself to our audience... Yeah. Hey, that was, a, that was a great intro. Thanks for that. I'm really happy to, to speak with you and, and you have been part of our Animal Flow family for a while now. So I'm excited to have a little conversation. Yay. So Mike, if you don't mind getting a little bit deeper for us into what your movement history has been, kind of the trajectory of experience with moving and all things that connect to movement for you and your body throughout your lifetime that have brought you to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So, you know, honestly, I really consider myself still to be pretty young in in my movement journey. And I've been in the fitness industry since I was 19 years old. And so I've had some time and I started really as, you know, SNC, strength and conditioning. I did have the great opportunity to work with some fantastic educators and people that were coming from all different realms of the fitness industry. So I mostly knew, you know, performance training. I got into Olympic lifts quite a bit. I got into kettlebells quite a bit, but it wasn't really until about years ago. It was when I turned 30 years old that I really decided to put down the weights and just start exploring different body weight based movement disciplines. And so that's, that was my introduction into gymnastics for the first time, which led to parkour, which led to break dancing and some hand balancing and circus arts. So I still consider myself to be relatively young in the movement space. And prior to that, I played some sports, but mostly my movement journey was uh, skateboarding. That was something that I really enjoyed and gave me a lot of freedom and expression. I didn't know you were into skateboarding. How long were you investigating that? Pretty much from the time I was 10 years old until, gosh, must have been around 16. And that was when it was full-time if you would have asked me from age 10 to age 16 what I wanted to be when I grew up I would say professional skateboarder Hmm. it was just everything to me and 
So it was a huge part of my life as a teenager and a preteen. Oh, wow. What, what was so captivating about skating to you then? In all honesty, I think a lot of the things that drew me to skateboarding are really similar to what drew me to some of these other communities that I play in now, which was, well, that word, especially the, the sense of community and being in an atmosphere that was all about self-growth even though you were involved with other individuals. So it was kind of like you had this little pack of people who were just furthering their experience, but they were all doing it in an individual kind of self-mastery sense, but they were doing it collectively in a group. And so that to me was really cool. I always really liked the sense of being in a community. But then also on the other side of that was self-expression. You know, within skateboarding, you could have your style, you could have... Um, a feeling to the way that you skated, which could change every single day. Maybe one day you're feeling a bit more aggressive. Maybe one day you're feeling a bit more passive. Maybe one day you're feeling like you want to be a little bit more fluid. And then, of course, just that concept of being a little bit better than the day you were before, than you were the day before, excuse me. So the self-mastery part was, was very important to me, even though I may have not had terminology around it at that point or have even, had even recognized it the way that I do now. But that's something that very much draws me into an activity or a sport. Yeah, I used to play around longboarding for like a period of four, five years. And it's been a couple of years since I last dabbled. But I remember what was really fascinating about it is it really forces you to engage with your environment in a new way. Because there's like this element of kind of playing with where you are actually skating. Um, and... And learning how to like go in the flow of the arena or the area you are outdoors and, and be able to adapt there while also playing into a little bit of your own creative um, or even curious and playful instincts. Yeah, that's a really great point. And environment certainly does play a role. And especially in the skateboarding world, and I also found this in parkour, is, you know, you kind of put on a new set of glasses. Like you, you have this new spectrum, this new vision where something as simple as a curb or you know, a crack in the concrete or a little embankment can just offer you hours and hours of joy mm -hmm. uh, and an interpretation of how you can approach it and different you know, possibilities and, and different options. Uh, the same way as you know, someone who who practices parkour can see a, a railing. And then now there are just infinite ways that they can manipulate their body around that environment. And so th that's such a great point is how you can interact with your environment and have so many different results. Yeah. One of the first things that popped into my head when you're talking about skating, because you went on this journey to play around with, well, what does my body by itself do outside of it? performance training realm. And, and I actually feel that my experience of a lot of your methodologies offer exactly that, uh, especially animal flow, is it feels like something that's uh, kind of an opportunity to engage with environments in a different way, even with the same methodology, but then it allows for that same sort of versatility and play. Yeah, and that's always a huge component of it. You know, that was part of the impetus or even the catalyst for developing animal flow because animal flow, let's face it, it's the program that gives it the magic. And, and when I say the program, it's there's no movements that have, have not been done before, right? There's nothing incredibly unique about any human movement. It's been done. 
And so the cool thing, or at least one of the things I really enjoyed about animal flow is it's within this context that you go, okay, well, in this world, in this imaginary world that we're going to call animal flow, this is called this, and this is called this. And this allows us to play and explore with nothing else but the ground and to kind of write this story around it. And there's just something that's really intriguing to me about being on the ground and figuring out all the options, having that opportunity to explore space and do it in so many different ways. And you know all about that coming an extensive dance background. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that always really draws me to explore new things is, is there's, (laughs) there is an ignorance and there is a bliss in ignorance, I should say. Yeah. Sometimes not knowing the rules is beautiful because then your options are truly open. Mm. And sometimes when I think back about, about animal flow, I often think like, man, if I knew what I know now, I may not have had the guts to start animal flow because <laughs> I may have known too many things that I, that I would have thought like, oh, no, I can't do that. Or like, no, that's, that's breaking this rule or that's bending that or that's whatever. But I think there's just something beautiful about being totally ignorant to so many different styles of movement that came before this. And it was just true exploration. And then adding that new exploration with what I knew about human movement science and about how the body produces movement. And then even looking at postural distortions and looking at neural sequencing and things like that. So it was like coming with a totally different scope and then just being completely open and ignorant to the things that came before. And so yeah, I think it is kind of a funny way to lay that out. But I think sometimes it's better just to not know and just truly go in blind. Yeah, well, you know, like you say, there's no human movement that's original. Like, it's all been done before. And yet, at the same time, when you're developing, like, a system, whether it's a training system or whether you're a dancer trying to choreograph a piece, like, at the same time, there's always this sense of needing to create something unique, And I think what's truly special about animal flow is that, at least from my perspective, is even though it may be drawing on these other aspects of movement that have been around for years, it's the packaging, it's the way it's put together. Because there are very few things out there that allow people to move and to explore and to get that element of play and it's something I observe a lot you need to have structure to then be able to disrupt the structure and add a little freedom into it and what animal flow does so well is it creates this really nice codified structure with a language with um, the specific positions and then like ideal transitions but then you can always go outside of that and put up and add your own stuff and you see the community doing that all the time. And it's really engaging. You're so right. And I always like to equate, you know, the animal flow experience or practice and the whole idea of movement being done before is, you know, it works very well when you use the analogy of music and you say, okay, there are only so many notes, right? There are only so many chords, but still it's possible that people are creating new music every single day. And I think that that speaks volumes to how you can still have the structure of human movement. But as you had mentioned, it's all about how the sequence is laid out or how the program is laid out or how the choreography is laid out to make something completely new. 
And that just shows how much freedom is in the exploration. And that's why I kind of mentioned earlier that it's, it's really about the context of the program and, and realizing that in this world, this is what we call this. It may look like that, but here it's called this. And it turns into this. And here is another option over here. And so it really is just, you know, there's no limits at that point. Yeah. Well, something I'm really curious about, and this kind of ties back into like your movement journey and your history with it. So when you were exploring different types of bodyweight training, at what point did you decide you wanted to create Animal Flow? Like how was Animal Flow born and what steps did you kind of take to put it together? What was your decision-making process? Was it tied to stuff outside of just, you know, moving in ways that uh, made sense from what you understood scientifically? Was there an intuitive component? Yeah. So throughout my experience of, you know, being really bad, being really bad at gymnastics, being really bad at parkour, I just realized how funny it was that I spent my entire life working on my body, but I had very little ability to move my body. Mm -hmm. And at least not in these ways that were seemed so foreign to me. And so in this experience, I knew that there was just component in my own understanding of physicality and fitness. And the missing component for me was free movement. So as I was experiencing these things, and there would be, you know, so for example, the animal locomotion part. Animal locomotion would pop up a lot in my horse training and in the, the parkour gym that I was working with instructors at. And so even just some of the basic locomotive patterns, I was like, wow, you know what? There's something here. There's something here that not only can I benefit from, but then also the clients that I'm working with can certainly benefit from some of these quadrupedal positioning in locomotion. So that was a huge factor. Then if you come into the, the breakdance where movement can transition so fluidly into another movement and how everything is multi-joint, everything is multi-planar in its, its movement capacity. And so I start just kind of taking these little bits that I was experiencing and going, all right, let's see how these things work. And so I started kind of bleeding over from, from what I was experiencing personally into my training sessions with my clients. And one, it was so cool to see some of these very simple movement sequences were but also how engaged they were, how much they enjoyed it, how much you could see that they are being stimulated uh, cognitively and how incredibly taxing it was on their body, but in a really positive way. And so I started looking at all these concepts that were kind of coming together and figuring out, okay, how can we tweak these to get the most out of the human animal? So, you know, if we're looking at common postural distortions or if we're lo looking at common movement dysfunctions how can we start addressing some of those and so i realized right away that there was just something there that i needed to share with other people but first i had to figure it out for myself mm -hmm. and so that's where it was just hours and hours and hours and hours on the ground every single day just going okay how does this turn into that okay and what is it good for how can we how can we shave this down or, or optimize it to make sure that it allows a continued sequencing from a motor control standpoint or it allows us to address some of these issues that I see so common with people walking in the door because they're so sedentary and all the hours that they're not with me. Mm.
the challenge presented itself right away. So then it was just my opportunity to really figure out the bones of it and just figure out the structure and go, how can we make this into a program that's easily applicable and that anyone can come in and do it. So the barrier for entry is low with the intention of them feeling successful right away. Because I knew that if anyone came in and had the experience that I was having going and being the worst person in the class, the oldest person in the class, then they may be defeated and not continue their movement journey. And so it was clear to me right away that there had to be a system all inviting. That was the formula for putting this program together. Yeah. Wow. That's really fascinating. You know, because I was the kid who grew up in this crazy dance world. If you're familiar with the show, So You Think You Can Dance, everybody I grew up with like ended up on that show or working professionally in that same capacity, being able to do multiple t- styles of dance, learn them quickly, perform quickly, all that. And very early on, I was introduced to this idea of freeform movement. And I was like the ramp kid who loved it while everyone else ran as far away from it as possible. And this was even in the dance community. Like there's a lot of fear around just like improvising. And I remember being 12 and it would be my birthday and they would like at the time the studio would like let me have like a song for my birthday to just improvise to. And that was like the weird thing, but I loved it. And, <laughs> and coming into the training world, um, as interesting as working with weights was for me, you know, and learning fundamentals of that and like structure and form and integrity and specificity I remember the animal flow and there was that big advertising push on all the big screens and the equinox facilities where I started as a trainer and you were plastered all over the place and I remember like I need to learn that stuff like that is like exactly what I'm looking for it's this hybrid of functionality stuff that you can correlate back into what people are trying to get from training but there was this component about about that was so similar to dance and I even remember going through the level one workshop with you and not being able to walk up or down stairs for like three days (laughs) (laughs) and I was so humbled because like while I was flexible enough to do it I didn't have that same kind of residual strength to be able to hold these positions. And I thought I was really strong. And it's just such a wonderful and fascinating journey for me. And animal flow is one of my go-tos in my own work with clients. And I even get into my dance teaching now. Like it's a part of the warm-up I do. And and I use elements of it in my flows. And is I feel it's been such a nice connecting link between all the practices I've had in my life and and what was particularly special to me is this community that that's come out of it and and that was very clear to me when I went to the level two retreat in Miami a few years back it was one of the only certification experiences I went through where it felt like we were there as a family despite having just met each other and that was such a unique and incredible thing yeah you know in and as I mentioned earlier, it, it truly is, you made some really good points there. And, you know, it, it is about community. And I think with any exercise, any fitness, any movement, any whatever, there has to be love story around it. 
And the, the, you know, and the reason that people continue to do some, whether it's rock climbing, it's Zumba, it's uh, CrossFit, it's whatever, it's because there's some sort of love story there where they just, they, it feeds them, it feels them, uh, feeds their soul, it feels, feeds them on a cellular level. And then there's something really powerful when you get that many people that are in love with this thing to congregate and be around each other because you get to see that you have people such as yourself that are coming in from a serious dance background or you have people that have been power lifters their whole life or you have someone who you know is is, is a triathlete and you realize that we all have this thing in common which is we have this love for movement and this particular modality it's just one but it allows people to experience movement and then whenever they find that that love and they can experience with other people, it really does connect you on such a deep level. And we found that connection to be probably one of the, the things, the things that gives this program wings more than anything else. You know, we've seen where it has become this global community and people are so involved in this global community where they, someone can go, Hey, I'm going to be in Seoul. I'm going to be in South Korea next week. Who's there? And then you have five people that are like, I'm in Seoul, come hang out. I've had that exact experience myself. It's wild. <laughs> it's the coolest thing. You know, it's just like, hey, let's go play together. Let's go experience movement together. Have, a, a, you know, some food or a beer or whatever. And then it's just like, it's immediate connection. Mm, yeah. The love story behind movement. As somebody who's participating in a lot of different movement mediums, I see you continue to explore different things, even outside of animal flow. What has been probably the greatest gift or uh, lesson that you've received as a part of your movement journey? Like what, what has come into your life as a result of movement that has been unexpected or wonderful or life-changing for you? You know, that's a great question. I think probably one of the things that I hold really dear to me is the space and freedom to be bad and be novice. <laughs> and there's just something to me that's so important about that. Having the ability to literally leave your ego behind, you know, keep a child's mind, leave the ego behind and just go, all right, I'm going to try something new. And guess what? I'm probably going to be really shit at it. And to give yourself that freedom I think is one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself because then you'll never, you'll never stop growing. And I think it's just, it, it eliminates fear of just knowing like, I'm going to try something new and I'm probably going to be bad and that's okay because you know what? I'm going to get better and my body's going to adapt and my nervous system is going to adapt and I'm going to understand this new language of the thing that I'm learning. And there's just, a, there's just so much freedom in that. And I think I, you know, I, I gave myself that gift when I turned to 30 and I started exploring these other things, but I still do that. I still give myself that gift all the time. And I take other workshops. I take dance classes and I take all, you know, I'm just constantly trying to put my body in, in um, territory that it doesn't feel comfortable in. Yeah. And, and there's just there's just so much potential for growth there, not only on a physical level. So if we're talking about fascial tissue and we're talking about how your body um, is motor control and variability of loads, but then also 
talking about a cognitive level and still stimulating the brain to figure out the puzzle of new demands and new tasks and new styles. I think it really is one of the best gifts that we can give ourselves, just the freedom to be bad and be new. Yeah. You know, I actually was having a conversation with a friend yesterday. We were talking about this, how when you allow yourself that, that freedom, that novice freedom to make mistakes and to not get it, there's almost something about it that translates into like the other more intellectual and maybe even more social aspects of your lives or like where even on an interpersonal level, you're less afraid about this idea of failure or failure becomes less of the restriction that we're brought up to believe it is. It's, it's really just a learning moment. It's an opportunity. It's, it's a growth factor, and it's not this thing that's shutting doors for you. It, it's opening new ones. And there's a really interesting element I've observed in my own life and movement practice where coming into contact with that on a physical level, in a movement space, it just opens up so much more possibility for me in all those other decisions I make that are seemingly unrelated. Great point. And that's the thing. It's all related, right? It's all the same. You know, what's, what's in our, our body is in our mind. What's in our mind is in our body. It's, there, there is no separation. And I, I love that, that we've kind of now gotten to the point to where we say, you know, mind-body is like, like this, this new concept. Mm. And, and it's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost ironic that now we have to talk about it as if it were ever separated. Mm -hmm. Similar to movement, which I love the irony that is wrapped around the term or the word movement, because it's almost like we had to become so disconnected from it, something that's so intrinsic and innate in our system. We had to become so disconnected to where now going back to it, it seems like this thing, you know, it's like, oh, what is this thing? Oh, it's, it's, what, it's what we've been doing since we were born not only in this lifetime, but as a species. And I just love the irony that's wrapped around it. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. But I just, it always makes me smile that we've kind of now gotten to this point where people are realizing, wow, how important it is to every single cell that makes up our body, how important it is to move not only for our physical system, but as you had mentioned, our our sense of who we are and our ability to lean into discomfort and to we wouldn't have before and it's all one and so how that comes out as an interpretation of how our body moves through space or how that comes out in a conversation it's all the same thing and as we explore freedom in our bodies we'll explore freedom in other areas of our life yeah so such a profound connection. That was so beautifully put. Thanks, Mike. So that actually is like a perfect lead-in yeah. to one of my favorite questions, which is, what does movement mean to you? Yeah, so movement to me is life. So it's breath, it's nutrients, it's everything. And the more that I, you know, every day that passes, every new birthday that I have, I realize that it is the key to longevity. It is the key to living the good life. It is continuously allowing the body to do the beautiful things that it is designed to do, which is move Mm. direction and every plane of movement. And to do it often 
and to do it as much as you can and to do it daily. And so for me, it's not a task. It's not a workout. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. And I think it's the greatest way to honor our system is to give it life. And the way that we can give it life is to continue to move it. And so for me, it, it is life. And it's, it's something I'll, I'll continue to do the rest of my life, however long that may be. But, you know, it's just, it is part of figuring out how to navigate this vessel that we have. And hopefully, God willing, it'll be a long time from now. But when everything else is taken away, when, when, when it's our final days and every possession that we have is gone, the only thing that we have left is this vessel and we navigated our life. And that vessel is an accumulation of every single motion or lack of motion that we perform through a lifetime. And so I want to make sure that that vessel, as I'm nearing the end of my life, has experienced a lifetime of different positions, of different loads, of different challenges and modalities. So to me, it's, it's rich. It's, it's life. It's everything. Yeah. Wow. That was really an incredible definition. Very similar to kind of my own. And I have a, an, an additional question to sort of jump off from there. So I know personally whenever, because I've been through like the biggest slew of injuries you could imagine, and I started getting injured at a very young age. And because I was someone who was so attached to movement uh, and like literally used it to feed my soul to get me from day to day, when I was injured to the point where I wasn't allowed to move. I wasn't allowed to dance, even take like yoga classes. Like I wasn't allowed to run or walk or skate. Uh, I remember those were particularly trying times in my life when it was like the one time I kind of felt like I got divorced from my connection to the world, to this physical reality. And I know that you on your journey have had some, some of those like humbling injury points as well. And I would love to learn a little bit more about what your experience was like there when your movement exploration capacity gets limited in some way. Like, how did you navigate that? And what were some strategies used to help you get through it? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, this is, this is a topic that I don't talk about too much, um, not because I don't want to, but it's just because it's, it's something that I'm still currently going through. And mm -hmm. I always... You know, it's funny, you know, we, we, we always, of course, anyone that's in this space, we want to post videos of us moving and training and progressing and doing these things. In all, every single video that I've posted over the past, let's say, three, almost four years is really a look into my rehabilitation. And so I've been incredibly injured with what started off as being diagnosed as a cervical injury mm -hmm. and I was having some nerve and I actually got to the point to where I almost lost complete function of my left arm. And this is while I was still traveling and teaching workshops and demoing and the body is such an amazing thing that I was able to compensate dramatically, mm -hmm. drastically to my stronger points and my stronger positions to where most people would not even know that I had very little function within not only just my arm, but in within my whole torso, like my left pec and lat and serratus and all these muscles are so crucial to quadrupedal movement and just movement in general. Mm -hmm. And it was a serious blow. 
especially really, as I mentioned before, kind of being young in my, in my eyes in this movement journey to go, oh, wow, I can't do this thing that I really love doing, or I can't do it the same way I was just able to do it six months ago, a year ago. And so it played a major factor on how I experienced my body. And not only that, but also how I got through each day. And instead of it being something that was a really negative thing to where it was like, oh man, my body's giving up. I'm, I'm injured. I'm never going to get better. Yada, yada. Those stories that we tell ourselves. I just knew that the only thing that was going to make me better is I just had to keep going. I just had to keep moving. And I knew that everything would sort out and I would find a really good team. And uh, as far as um, body workers, practitioners, and I would just keep pushing forward. And even now I still have some really interesting nerve damage that's global. So it's all, all through my entire body. Um, and I won't get too much more into that, but what I will say is, as I mentioned before, I just know that the only way out of this is through it. And so I know that there's no turning back. There's no giving up. There's no even putting the brakes on. I just have to be smart about my training, smart about my recovery and just keep feeding just keep feeding the system in every way possible. And that's what I've been doing over the past couple of years. And so to your point, it can feel life changing. It can feel life ending to deal with injuries. But we know that the only way to get some sort of positive outcome is we have to give the body what it needs, which is motion and lubrication. And so mm -hmm. I just knew that was it. I just had to keep going. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'll just continue to do that. Yeah, I, I always found that injuries were like these wonderful teachers. If I allow myself to calm down enough to understand that just because I couldn't continue what I what had been doing that led me to the injury didn't mean there was nothing left. It just meant I had to search for something new. And Every time I did that, I would access a new layer of my body and my interaction with my body that I had been in before. And it's really interesting watching my dance journey from when I was, you know, 18 and getting injured for the first time through college and then um, my arc as a trainer and all the different modalities I've been adding in since and even taking a break from dance and coming back in coming back into dance now, I, I feel tremendously different. I feel like a totally different body and a totally different human. Uh, and my, my sense of, of moving around your space is just, it, it is absolutely not the same. And if I had not been getting injured so young and forced to kind of look at everything from a totally different perspective and try all these new modalities and, and methodology, I would have never been able to have this growth and this evolution into where I am now. And I guess sort of interested if if you sort of found something similar. I know you're saying you're moving through it, but is is are things kind of connecting and finding their way back into homeostasis in this process for you at the same time? Yeah. So going back to what you said, uh, pain is an incredible message. There's a couple of guys, Mosley and Butler, who have a book called Explain Pain, and they, they call it the, the gift, the gift of pain, because it really can be profound in the information that we gather around pain, because it, it can certainly be a message, to your point, of something that either we've just 
explored that particular movement too much or we did it in a way that exceeded the tissue's ability to be resilient to it any longer. And so a great thing about pain is sometimes it does give us the privilege to be able to experience movement or exercise or whatever in a different way. And so that has been part, part of my rehabilitation is realizing that, that I need to explore, continue to explore. And, and that's been a big thing back into some breakdancing classes, getting into experiencing different modalities of and styles of dance, you know, learning to load in different ways. And so, so again, to your point, being able to go in and experience the opportunity of different motion can really feed into the system and help it heal. And yeah, so I'm kind of in that right now. So I'm in that space right now. And uh, I'll have to give you an update on how that's going. <laughs> well, I mean, I would say that I'm always kind of in that space because I can't say that I've ever really had the patience or or the or the discipline maybe to like whenever I've had an injury to really get it back to a hundred percent. I think I've noticed like there's always the oh, bothering me now and like okay gotta take care of it and then it feels better then I can go back to my old stuff at that point I kind of forget about it and it'll continuously like pop up like you know like random uh pelts of the dart you know I'll be like going to my day-to-day -day life and it's like hello you're here again uh, so mm -hmm. so I, I you know maybe maybe the reality is and I don't know if anyone else is differently but for me at least like like the injury is just like an ongoing lesson and, it, and it's that like lesson like are you going to stay with it and continue to to take the the growth that's being offered uh or are you gonna ignore it and shut the door mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's a great point it certainly can be a driving force or it can be a deterrent Mm. depends on the person and the individual and how they're interpreting that pain message or that injury message. Mm -hmm. So they're going to go, okay, this is my opportunity again to do something slightly different or to learn how to do this in a more skillful way or to learn how to do it in a more nuanced way to where I'm not beating up my body as much or a thing that goes, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe I want to try to explore something else altogether, or maybe I'm going to say, you know, screw it, and I'm just going to throw my hands up. Hopefully, it's more of the first than the latter. <laughs> but you know, that that again, you know, it's completely such an individual experience. But you know, and that pain and injury is such a great message, a great motivator, and a great educator. We a lot better off. Yeah, especially if you're willing to be present. Yes. Yeah. So I have another question that I'm interested in exploring with you, and that is, how has movement influenced other areas in your life outside of the physical realm? Well, I would assume that that goes back into the conversation that we were having about how mind movement body. can stimulate our mind, body. Yeah. I would have to say probably that the way that movement has, has encouraged other parts of my life has allowed me to be less rigid, I would say. So allowing me to, to kind of take down some of these, these walls of how I thought I was supposed to be or how I thought my trajectory was, was supposed to be in business and or relationships. 
and allowed me to be more malleable and pliable. And I think that's, that's a huge human component that we can miss. And I think that my physical movement practice has certainly promoted my ability to be more pliable and to experience things in ways that would allow more fluidity and more flow for lack of a better phrase. So it's definitely permeated throughout my existence uh, versus just in my physical practice. Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful embodiment and experience of movement in a bigger way. It's so fitting too, animal flow, learning to be more in flow. I like it. All right. Well, this is so great, Mike. Before we wrap up, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience here? Anything that perhaps has sort of been on your mind that you really feel is an important message to share before we wrap up here? Yeah, you know, I think I think probably one thing that's that's been popping up a bit, bit more recently is don't take don't take your movement practice too seriously. And what I mean by that is there seems to be kind of different camps that are exploring this space right now that are being almost elitist or very judgmental of different ones or very uh, passing a lot of ownership around different styles of movement. And I understand that's always going to be there. But it's just this God-given ability that we all have. And if we just continue to explore it and not make stories or put ownership around it, it can continue to be a really beautiful thing. And one person's movement journey is going to be completely different than someone else's. So how can you ever judge one person's movement journey? Because it's theirs. It's their identity. It's their fingerprint. It's what they're experiencing. It's just allowing the absolute joy and freedom to do whatever you want and realize that it's all going to be beneficial and there's no right, there's no wrong. It's just different. And to really give yourself the freedom to explore that, I think is uh, – it is honoring this thing that we have, this vessel. So I think it's, that's it. Don't take it too seriously. Just enjoy it. Yeah, that's so great. I, I've been noticing that too. And, and that's a message I'm seeking to share more and more is, you know, let, allow your experience to be more authentic, more true to you. And the more we can all do that as individuals, the more we can support each other and show up and embrace each other's journeys as a community instead of fighting for ownership of certain parts of it. It's not about ownership. It's just about the experience and allowing for all those unique experiences to be honored for what they are. Well said. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mike. This was such a great conversation. We got into some really interesting uh, little tailspins, which is great. Exactly what this is all about. Where can our listeners find you if they are interested in following you, getting in contact with you, maybe, uh, working with some of the systems you've developed? As far as the web goes, you can go to animalflow.com or bodyweightathlete.com. And just to bring some clarity to that, Animal Flow is our, more of our movement system, whereas Bodyweight Athlete is more of a calisthenics skill-based program. So bodyweedathlete.com or animalflow.com. And then on social media, BT is my Instagram handle. And then there's also 
Animal Flow official. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much. And that's a wrap. Thank you. Ah, wasn't that just amazing? Like I said, this was such a phenomenal conversation, and I'm so glad that you guys get to listen in and hear all the amazing thoughts and concepts that were shared. So once again, uh, you can reach Mike and get in contact with him and his work through the websites animalflow.com and bodyweightathlete.com. You could also follow him on his handle on Instagram, MikeGBT. And of course, I'll leave all that information in the show notes for you guys to look at it directly and copy and paste. Thanks so much for listening today. I can't wait to tune in with you guys again next week with our next guest. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on this thing called movement. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. And if you're interested in connecting with me directly, you can find me on Facebook, under the name Marie Janicek and on Instagram at Marie Janicek. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and make sure to share with your friends and family. In the meantime, I can't wait to connect with you all next week when we bring on our next guest. Until then, make sure to get out there and move.